Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Children's and Family Director. We're so glad you're here with us, whether you're in person or online. If you're a guest with us or if you've been coming for a little while, we want you to be more than just a number here. So if you would, grab that blue connection card from the seat pocket in front of you, fill that out and drop it in the giving box on the way out. Um, or if you're online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash connect. We'd love to get to know you. At Faithbrook, our mission is to love God, love people, and journey together. And one way we can love others this Christmas season is by helping out cross services in collecting food donations. With inflation and food costs rising, um, it's going to be at a greater need than ever. So some items that they say they need are pastas, sauces, baking items, dish soap, and always the tried and true peanut butter and jelly. So starting next week and all through Christmas Eve services, you can bring in your donated items and we will get them to cross services and help us love our community in this way. Well, let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we conclude our series, Faithful. How many of you this morning took the time to brush your teeth, or maybe took a shower, maybe even last night? How many of you took the time to do laundry or put the dishes in the dishwasher? Did any of you take the time to check your email, go to work, or even maybe to work out a little bit? Why in the world did you do that? Isn't it such a hassle to take time to brush your teeth, get in the shower, get out? I mean, the dishes, the emails. Why in the world would you spend time to go to work? Uh, all this is such a hassle, right? It's so exhausting to make yourself do these personal hygienes, to go get to work, clean up, mow the grass, go to the dentist, clean the house, do the laundry. It can be exhausting. Isn't it more appeasing to just kind of sleep in? Right, just kind of lounge around. All this work is just so overrated, isn't it? It just takes so much effort. Why would anybody want to do that? Well, I suspect that many of you found the benefit or the value of getting up and doing some of these chores or habits. Maybe you would like to keep your friends, and so you take the time to brush your teeth or, or take a shower, right? Some of you might prefer to... Uh, eat off of clean, sanitized dishes rather than dishes that haven't been washed. Some of you would rather go to work, right, because you'd like to have a little money in your pocket and feed your family, yes. Uh, some of you might have found the benefit of working out or exercising because, hey, there, you can feel a little bit better about yourself being slimmer. It's not like you just always want to, but eventually you found the value in doing some things you don't always want to do. Well, 
We're going to speak a little bit more about that. But first, I just want to welcome you on behalf of Faithbrook. I hope that you had a fabulous Thanksgiving weekend. God gave us some warm temperatures. And so even this morning, thanks for worshiping with us. And if you're online watching us, if this is your first or second time here, it's always a little sketchy. Some people might be a little weird, especially the pastor. So just relax. All right. And we're going to continue into our our, our series this fall is really it's a wrap up of our series of faithful. What are the elements that keep our faith full? Have you ever met ever a Christian that seemed to be authentic? They seem to be have confidence. They seem to have a lot of love. They seem to have a lot of devotion. How do you get to that place? Do we even have a need for Christ followers to be at that level, to be people full of faith. Well, some researchers uh, looked at some of the elements and interviewed some faithful Christians and said, hey, why is your faith so full? Why do you have such confidence and love kind of oozing out of you? And they found six elements or catalysts that fueled people's faith. For instance, one of the first ones that these people would identify was, well, someone opened the word of God to us that pointed to Jesus, and we realized we needed a savior, we needed a new start, and, said, and so we said yes to Christ. And living full of faith always starts with God's word. Someone kind of communicates it out of a relevant way. The Holy Spirit kind of makes, connects the dots, and we say yes, and the beginning of a new birth in Christ Jesus begins. They also found another component is that staying connected to people of faith grows our faith. It's just that dynamic of of influence or peer pressure. There's a lot of encouragement when other people are trying to live like Christ and, and helping us out and teaching us and encouraging us. There's something about that factor. We also talked about the, the ticklish uh, time or t- uh, struggle in our life when there's pivotal circumstances. And pivotal circumstances can be those very dark nights of the soul where there can be some very sad times and, and hurt times and we doubt and we wrestle with God and is it true and will he come through and, and I hope we make it. And in those valleys, we either run away from God And it can be an obstacle or it can be an opportunity to grow our faith. And hopefully we we learn to trust God, that his grace is sufficient, that it sees us through in those valleys. And before we know it, our faith is growing more full. Another component they discovered, if people are full of faith, is that somewhere faith is built outside our comfort zone. So somewhere we have to take a risk, right? We do something that we're not always comfortable with, and there God intercepts us and God helps us through. I don't know, maybe it's, it's volunteering, we've never done that before, or maybe inviting someone, or maybe giving something, and somewhere we're hoping that God helps us and we find that his promises are true and our faith starts growing more full. And then last week, we we talked about this mysterious component of the Holy Spirit. People filled with faith are oftentimes full of God's Spirit. So many times we ask Jesus into our lives. We want to go to heaven. We don't want to go down there, right? And we we know that we need to have a covering of our sins. And and so we just kind of live in a half full level of God's Spirit. But God wants all of us, right? 
And these people would testify that they came to a point where they had to surrender themselves. They traded all of themselves for all of God. And there is a tremendous feeling of God's personality, his nature, his love that kind of just kind of takes over. And we are, we are motivated by God's Holy Spirit. Now we come to the last one. Well, what would that be? What is the last component that would help us to live a faithful, genuine, authentic, confident life in Christ? Well, it starts with this word that maybe we're kind of, uh, I don't know if I want to hear it or not, but it's the word discipline. For some of you, this might not surprise you, right? Discipline. Have you found the value of discipline in your life? Someone described discipline this way. It's the friend that you hate to see coming, but you are grateful that they visited and also glad that they are leaving, right? It's the discipline to study when we don't always want to study. It's the discipline to clean our house when we don't feel like it. It's the discipline maybe to to work work out or show up at work. These disciplines in life is a major component to being full of faith. Now, there's a progression in discipline, if you ever noticed, right? First of all, when you have to do something, right, it's usually in an ought to. Oh, man, I got to clean my room. Oh, I got to study. Oh, I got to clean the dishes, right? Oh, I got to work out. We don't always appreciate it. I remember in high school football, uh, the coaches would uh, teach us this, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. And we got to go through the pain to get the gain in our life. But it doesn't always feel that impressive. But if you do it, you'll notice it all of a sudden becomes a habit, right? That we get in the habit of brushing our teeth. We get in the habit of taking a shower. We get in the habit of, of cleaning the house or doing the laundry. It's not that big a deal. And before you know it, it becomes a lifestyle, right? Uh, that you do it kind of automatically, uh, we see this in, in different rhythms in our life, from checking email to mowing the grass to uh, doing the laundry or dishes, right? It's just part of the rhythm of life. It's a lifestyle, but before you know it, it becomes a life-changing style. If you were exercising and running and working out or, or looking at your diet, before you know it, this, this life-changing, that you become slimmer or trimmer, you become smarter, you become stronger, you, you become more organized in your life. And sometimes even discipline can be a life-preserving, that we change maybe our diets or, or some of our habits in our life. It can preserve our life if we allow discipline in our life. So you could kind of say it this way. Your ought to is now a want to. Have you ever done something that you had to do it, but now you're kind of like, hey, I, I want to do this? It, you, the research have noticed that you see this in different disciplines of life. For instance, I think uh, runners, uh, you know, some of us look at runners running down the road, around the track, and you're like, that's crazy. Whoever wants to do that. I, I personally avoid running, right? I don't like running, but I know people that love running. How, how do they get there? They started the ought, and they kept going, and they embedded it in their life. Before you know it, you talk to someone, they say, man, we love running. It it just uh, rejuvenates us, and there's a runner's high, and now we're used to it. Sometimes I I can't get over these vegan people, right? They're like not eating steak and chicken and ham. It's like, yummy, you're, you're missing that, right? They're like, yeah, it took a while, but now we appreciate it. And now I feel a lot better. I'm a lot healthier. I'm avoiding these things. Even with schooling. 
And now I got a degree. Now I got a, maybe a better job, right? Because I took the time to discipline. It was my ought, but now it's a want to. And this can be placed in our lives spiritually. You, you think of King David back in Psalms. He's, he came to the point of his life that he said, I, he prayed that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And my soul sings praises. He wants to be around God. He, he appreciates the things of God. It's part of his life. And the whole component to growing our faith is that discipline facilitates progress. If you want progress in your spiritual life, then somewhere you got to grab a hold of the discipline. And maybe it starts with an ought to, but God will help us get to a want to. This whole element of discipline is so valuable when it comes to our spiritual life. We kind of left it for the, the last one because it's kind of people kind of know it automatically, but we really don't um, teach too much of it, but it's highly valuable. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote to his apprentice Timothy, and he wrote this about this, this discipline or this training. Have nothing to do with the irrelevant silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Now he equates it to physical training. For while bodily training is of some value, yes it is, godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Man, isn't it true that in in our culture today, uh, physical uh, working out, gyms, memberships, things like that, it's big time, right? Uh, Youth sports, it's big time. There's some value in training our bodies. But what's more important, Paul says, is to train yourself for godliness, godhood almost, Christ-likeness. And this holds promises for this day, your days, your weeks, and also especially for the afterlife, heaven. The word train means to practice. It means to uh, discipline. Uh, It means to uh, work it out and exercise it. Well, we also see references of Jesus himself um, modeled this, participated in this spiritual discipline. In Mark 1, it says that early in the morning, Jesus, while it was still dark, got up, left the house, and went out to a solitary place to pray. Well, wasn't Jesus busy? Wasn't there a lot of people to heal and and to preach to and all kinds of complexities? But you notice he got up early. He made it a point to get some quiet time, some private time. And there he would sync up with his heavenly father. He knew that his life was so demanding, so busy, that if he didn't get his soul right, if he didn't get his mind right in line with his, his father God, he could not accomplish the things that God was asking him to do. Is your life demanding? Is your life busy? Could it be that Christ is asking us to model after him to find some time where we could sync up and listen to God himself? It was a discipline. Probably wasn't very easy to get up early in the morning. We see disciplines in the first church in chap, uh, book of Acts The early church practiced some disciplines. For instance, they disciplined themselves to meet together regularly. They disciplined themselves to give to one another regularly. They learned together regularly. This wasn't just a, ah, do you want to show up? They put it on their calendar. They made it a priority. It became a habit for them, and they flourished, and God worked through them greatly. 
So when we develop these disciplines, these rituals, these spiritual disciplines, it fuels our faith. Now, our, our faith, our, our relationship with God is both external and internal. So most of us know that if we're going to be faithful Christians, right, then we got to look the part, right? It's kind of external. Let's show up. Let's try to serve. Let's try to care. Let's try to love, right? People can kind of see this externally. But more importantly, the secret sauce in a true faithful Christianity is the eternal, personal, spiritual component in our life. This is when we spend time alone with God that we start getting connected to God. This is where it comes from a religion or a churchy thing into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there, God starts developing us. There, our love life starts being developed with Christ. This, this falling in love with Jesus, he speaks to us. He helps us. He, re, he reminds us. And some personal convictions and guidance start happening because of the personal relationship we have with Jesus. I, I, I never forget in, in college that I was, you could say I was falling in love with Jesus Jesus loves you. He loves me. He's already fallen in love with us. He demonstrated that on the cross, right? And I'm trying to trust him, and I'm growing in my faith and spend some time with Jesus. I I came under some some personal boundaries that I felt like he wanted me to exercise, certain things I wouldn't do. For for instance, uh, still to this day, I I just have a personal conviction. I don't go really to too many R-rated movies. There's just stuff in there that my soul doesn't need to see or, or listen to. Uh, I, I, pro- I don't participate in gambling a lot, right? I'd just rather save my money and invest it someplace, right? There's just certain things I, I would avoid. So in college, some people would, took note of that. Say, hey, Comfort, I noticed that you wasn't at that wild party. Uh, hey, Comfort, I, I realized that you, you didn't do this or you don't go to that movie. Why is that? And then they'd always do this. They'd always say, ah, it's because of your church, isn't it? It's because of those church rules, right? Your denomination, I know you're one of those people, right? That's why you can't, you really want to. And I tried to communicate, it's not about my church. It's not about the membership or, or something like that. It's a personal relationship because I, I love my Jesus and my Jesus loves me. And so I'm listening to him. And sometimes I just know by my spirit, this is not cool. This is not edifying to my soul. It's, it's not going to work well in my soul if I participate in some of these things. So I just avoid that. Not, nothing personal. I'm not trying to judge you. It's just me and Jesus. It's a personal thing, not a religious thing. And this is where Jesus wants us to go. It's one of the six catalysts to growing full of faith. And what we find out is private spiritual disciplines create a personal spiritual relationship. If you participates in these private disciplines like Jesus did, right? Before you know it, your personal spiritual relationship grows. When I was a a teenager, some of you know I grew up as a church kid, but I really didn't have a love relationship with Jesus. You know, I just out for fun and games and stuff. But I came to the point where someone opened up the word of God and it clicked with me. It's like, you know what? That's what I'm missing. I might have all the exteriors, maybe not. But I didn't have the interior of Jesus. And I got convicted because people preached the word of God in a relevant, communicated way. And I said yes to Jesus. And my whole life started changing radically. And I knew I had to change. I knew I had to have some tools. And so back then, they had this little devotional book. And said, now, they called me Jimmy back then. Okay, now, Jimmy, what you need to do is you need to take this paper, little devotional book, and, and um, it would have a date. 
much like this daily bread we have out on our, on our table outside. Had a little date, and I need as simple as possible, right? Okay, so it's like October 3rd, right? October 3rd. You need to find a date, and there's going to be one scripture. Can you do that? Yes, I can. I think I can do that in a couple paragraphs. That's all. It's going to take you a total of five minutes. Can you pull that off? I'm sorry, I've never done that before, but I'll do my best, right? And, and most of the time, I'd get to that thing, I'd read it, and there would be something that God would speak through me. Something I was dealing with, worried about, or I need to be reminded. And there it was. And there God started speaking to me. I was like, this thing's for real. He knew what I was wrestling with. He knew I was up against it. And the word of God, it's like, that's him. And before I knew it, we started getting really close. And my spiritual formation, my spiritual relationship started growing. And this spiritual discipline created a very personal spiritual relationship. And it can happen with you also just by a simple little tool, just by five, ten minutes a day. However, to do this, you have to pre-decide that you're going to practice in some of these spiritual disciplines. You've got to just pre-decide. You've got to make up, you've got to make, you make a decision personally, maybe spiritually, this is going to be important to me. For instance, you pre-decided that you were going to brush your teeth. Hallelujah. Praise God this morning, right? You pre-decided that you were going to take a shower. You pre-decided that you were going to clean the dishes, right? You pre-decided that I will do laundry, right? These things are important, even though they're disciplines, even though they take time, right? You pre-decided that I will go to school and I study. And before you know it, there's some benefits with it. It's the same way spiritually. you got to pre-decide some spiritual disciplines that are going to create this spiritual relationship. So can I give you three simple spiritual disciplines that you can exercise, you can do yourself? And these have been long-term, right? These, they, these are probably not going to uh, surprise you. Number one, give God your first day of the week. Uh, you watching today, you sitting in here, you're doing it right now. You got yourself up, right? Clean yourself up instead of laying around in your pajamas, hanging out, right? You said, man, we're going to church, right? That takes some effort. We're going to give God the first day of the week, usually on Sunday morning. Now, this has always been in God's heart because he knows that life is demanding. Life is busy. Somewhere we need to reset. You go all the way back to the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment says, keep the Sabbath holy, right? Now, people debate on where the Sabbath is, but one day, give it to God. Your body, your soul, your mind needs to a Sabbath. Sabbath means to rest. I love Sundays, even though, you know, I only work one day a week, right? And, uh, but, but, but when we come to church, right, there's something energizing. There's something renewal about it, right? The coffee's hot. The music was rocking this morning. And God's in the house, right? And we're like, yes, I'm so glad that I came. I learned something. I was reminded of something. Uh, somebody cheered me on. There were some giggles. It was like all that. And then you go home and relax, right? It's a time we just kind of chill out and, and maybe take a walk and reset for the week. This is God's heart. He knows that you knew it, but it's got to be a priority. You have to pre-decide that this is important because a lot of times your body and your calendar will say, oh no, there's other things. There's always some kind of distraction. Now, growing up, I was raised in this, this discipline. My parents pre-decided that church was going to be important, like it or not. I didn't have a choice. It's like get in the car. And I can remember growing up that Saturday, my dad would work super hard around the house, get everything cleaned up. Last thing he would do on Saturday, he'd clean the car. It was a station wagon. 
Yes, uh, and he cleaned that up. And so Sunday morning, everyone get dressed up, and my sisters get in the car. We're going to church. And there I found my friends, right, and, and found some Jesus time and stuff. Then we'd go home, and Mom always had a, a roast and some potatoes and carrots. It was the best meal of the week, right? It was a special day for us. And then we'd chill out, and we'd watch the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe take a nap, right, hang out. It was a wonderful day. And God's like, yes, make it a priority. Give me the first day of the week. Reset yourself. So what my parents were really teaching me, I didn't even know this, that they were saying, little Jimmy, there's somebody bigger than you and bigger than us. It's called God. And even though we would like to run our life, God gets to run our life. And we're going to make sure that he is a priority at least once a week and get up and worship him and put him center in our family and put our center in you. So it wasn't a big leap for me to maybe make church or even in the ministry because it was already predecided. Are you doing that as parents? Are you showing that to your kids? Hey, it's not all about us. It's not all about your feelings or your convenience or how you feel this morning. There's something bigger than our family, and that is God first. Get up. Let's go. Church. The second thing I want to offer you is give God your first dollars. Now, this is a little bit trickier, right? It's a personal discipline to give God your first dollars. Now, God's already given you dollars. God's provided your education, your brain power, your your physical power, right? And, And whatever your income is, God has blessed you with that. Could you not say, you know what? Let's give something back to him. His kingdom redemptive work is still marching on. So what is that portion or that percent? The Bible talks about percentage giving. That someone, we take the discipline and say, we're going to, I don't know, start with 2% or 5%. And the Bible talks about 10%, the tithe. And we're going to discipline ourselves to live off the 90% and give God that first percent of giving. Now, once you start doing that, guess what? You're, 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 you're getting a little bit more wise on how you handle the 90%. Before you know it, you're praying a little bit more. and saying, like, oh, God, you're going to help us up because it's, it's expensive out there. And I don't know, right? Before you know it, you find that God provides. You find somehow God gives you some kind of clearance sales or something, and the math works out, and, and your relationship grows. It's like, this thing's for real. God, God does care. God, God does provide, and your, your faith starts being, becoming more confident. Now, the third thing I want to invite you to discipline yourself is give God your first minutes, your first minutes, like Jesus did. I'm not sure how long he's, he met privately with God, but somewhere he, uh, he had a personal devotion That's, or a quiet time, we call it, a personal devotion. We need to sync up and focus in on the things of God. Uh, David said, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I meditate on your precepts. The precepts means teachings through the word of God, and I consider your ways. This is so critical because we got so much dark news, right? Fears, anxieties, problems. And so when we open up the word of God, we're, we're thinking about God's ways, his teachings. Oh, that's, that's right. Yes, I need to be reminded of that. And the promises, and God has been faithful. And before we know it, we are feeling better about taking on the day. We, are, we, we have cast our cares and our worries to God, right? We receive his confidence and his promises. And before we know it, we're more present, more, more relaxed, we're more um, uh, full of faith as we march on into life. 
this time where we take some time by ourselves in a busy world. I, I thought it was funny, just this last week, I think, I was radio channel surfing, hitting some buttons, right? And I don't know what radio station it was, but this DJ guy was saying about this study that they just found the, the blessings of practicing mindfulness. As soon as he said mindfulness, I'm like, stop right here. What's he talking about, right? Mindfulness, basically meditation. And so some researchers grabbed a controlled group of some kind of uh, go-getters, high-capacity people that were always tired and worn out because they're just working so hard. So this controlled group of people, apparently they're like working 40, 50, 55 hours a week, and they didn't hardly have time to sleep much. They all confess that they get six to seven hours of sleep. Everyone knows usually you need eight. So they're they're always droggy and, and exhausted. So they said, would you for a month practice 10 minutes a day of slowing down, stopping what you're doing, and practice mindfulness, uh, meditating, emptying yourself, right, and just kind of focusing in, nothing spiritual. And guess what they found? They found that if they practiced 10 minutes, just 10 minutes of mindfulness, they equated it to this amount of 44 minutes of extra sleep, right? These people said, you know what? I feel more energized. I got a little bit more energy. I'm not as tired because I practiced this 10 minutes as they called mindfulness. Ah, I'm like, we already know this, right? The Bible talks about it. Jesus modeled this. We're not just dreaming up and thinking about some empty space, right? We're meditating on the teachings of God and considering his way for 10 minutes. Yes, this is the secret sauce of your personal relationship with God. When you carve out time, when you make time to say, God, I'm going to read your Bible. I'm going to think about what you said. I'm going to pray for some people and pray for myself. And I'm going to uh, um, uh, focus my life, center my life up. I, I guarantee you, my friends, your day will go better. I, I tell my staff, I tell myself, one of the most important things I need to do is not get the emails and practice preaching and staff this and this. I need to get alone with God. This is the secret sauce. This is where the love life and the Holy Spirit and the calibration of our soul. And then when we go into work, then when we have to take on our kids, then when we have to take on uh, people and complicated issues, man, there's something deep within us that is centered. That is something that's like, it's not just me. It's God's going to help me take on these things life. But I know there's always distractions. There's always distractions. Uh, many years ago, there was a book by Bill Hybels entitled Too Busy Not to Pray. Man, that resonated with me because I'm a, I'm a busy guy, right? But that reminded me, man, I got to pray. I got to stop what I'm doing and I got to take some time to spend alone with Christ and his word. And can I tell you, my friends, that, that there's always going to be some kind of distraction out there. You know, we promote the YouVersion Bible app. I love the YouVersion Bible app because I don't have to carry a hard copy Bible and it can go anywhere. I can take my Bible to the gym, take it to the coffee shop, a treadmill, the work. Instantly, I can find the Bible. But you know what else is on my phone? There's this social media thing, right, that's competing with God's heart and his word. And I don't know about you, sometimes you can get on that Facebook or you get to Instagram, you hit those reels and stuff like that, and you're just scrolling. You can just get addicted to the scrolling. Can I get an amen, right? I don't know, I mean, right? And, and there's the word of God, and, and the devil's like, ha, 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 you're just having a great time, and before you know it's like 1030. You're like, wow, right? 
and God's left alone. We haven't spent time with him or in the morning. Somewhere we have to pre-decide. I'm not going there. I'm not going to even look at that stuff. I'm going to make it a priority in my life. I'm too busy not to pray. And before you know it, if you practice these private spiritual disciplines, it creates in you a personal spiritual relationship. And there is benefits of a wholer life, a happier life, if you will, a peaceful life, even a more restful life, because you've been with Christ in that personal love life with him. So can I give you a couple of tips? One, somewhere I would encourage you to find a place. I would encourage you to find a time. You know, for me, uh, you know, I'd try to get up early before my kids would get up. Because once the kids get up, you know, you're kind of like on. So I got to set my clock and find a place. Maybe it's a sofa. Uh, sometimes it's on the treadmill, right? Where is that place? What is that time? Um, my wife, Terry, I've, I've noticed her that she has a certain time where there's the least amount of distractions in her life because she's also one to cultivate and nurture that private relationship. And also you, you got to find a tool, right? You got to find a tool. So sometimes we just like a simple uh, hard copy. We have these daily breads out in, in the lobby. Uh, for many people, it is the YouVersion Bible app that has a lot of Bible plans. Some of you have been walking, through, reading the Bible uh, for a year, just a little bit every day, because the YouVersion has all kinds of Bible plans and all kinds of topics that will help you spend time with God. So you got to find the tool, the time, and the place to develop these habits that will fuel your faith to be more consistent, to be more um, confident and dedicated in your life. So <clears throat> I'm going to leave you with this challenge that you can talk about it or talk it to your spouse. These three challenges for the rest of the year and next year. Uh, I challenge you to give God the first day of your week. Put it on your calendar. Talk to your kids. Talk to your spouse and say, you know what? We're going to make church a priority. If we got a blizzard, then we can always watch it online or we're stuck at home. We can watch it online, but it's going to be a priority. Give God that Sabbath. Next thing, I challenge you to give your first dollars of the paycheck God gives to you. What is that percent that God is asking you? That you discipline yourself and say, we're going to manage the rest that he's given us, but something first goes to God financially. And then I challenge you to give God your first minutes of the day. The 10 minutes of God every day, best you can. If you, if you miss a couple of days, so be it. But get back on it. I challenge you to practice those spiritual disciplines. Well, those are private disciplines that we can all participate in. But God gave us a discipline or a ritual that he wants us to have a rhythm with. And that is the Holy Communion, the, the Eucharist. Uh, there's hardly anything else that Christ said, I want you to participate regularly, reminding yourself of my death and my resurrection. And that was the cup, the Eucharist, the bread and the wine. And when you came in today, hopefully you received your uh, cup. If you don't have one and you'd like to take um, communion with us, you're welcome to raise your hand and our, our host will get you one. Here at Faithbrook, we kind of have an open table to communion. You don't have to be a member. The Bible says you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
that he's, you've asked him to come into your life and forgive your sins. And that qualifies us to take these holy elements that are in this little plastic cup. We don't take it every Sunday because we don't want it to just get routine. We want it to be special. So we probably do it about once a month. And uh, it's special to us. It's, it's a discipline. It's a sacrament. It's a ritual that fuels our faith and nourishes our soul. So I encourage you to uh, take this cup and let's turn it upside down. And this is where the, the bread is. And we're going to carefully peel off that top and take the, the bread out. Bread, right? And then we can turn it over with the cup. We think back 2,000 years ago, as Jesus was coming to the end of his ministry, the cross was before him. He collected his disciples in that, that room, the Last Supper. And after they ate, the scriptures tell us he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he said to his disciples, this bread represents my body. Take it in remembrance of me. Let's take it today, remembering his body on the cross. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, this cup represents a new covenant. Our salvation will not be because of religion or rules, but be by his grace that would be through his blood shed on the cross atone for our sins. And any time we take these elements, we are proclaiming his sacrifice and also his soon return as Christ followers. Let's practice this sacrament. Let's practice this discipline of taking the cup. I encourage you to stand with me as we close in prayer. I want to encourage you to um, take a little invite card that was on your seat. Next week, we begin our series, It's a Wonderful Christmas. It's really a spin off of the Wonderful Life movie. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. And invite a friend. It's going to be a, a good series to invite someone to. Let's pray together. Father God, I'm, I stand before you. We stand before you because we pray to a personal God. You're not some idol. You're not some statue. You're not some far off um, personality we need to fear. But you are God the Father that so loved the world that you gave your son Jesus Christ and you came um, as a baby and grew to be a man and died on that cross and rose from the dead. And God, you want to be close to us. You seek us every hour, every minute. You call upon our name. You tell us that you even know the very number of hair is on our head. That's how personal you are. So God, help us to gravitate to you. Starting this week, starting tomorrow, may we find that time, carve out that time, God, to slow down and center into you. Help us to find a plan. Help us to find a tool, God. And help us to put you first when it comes to our finances. And help us to put you first in our calendar that we practice the disciplines that create a wonderful personal relationship with you. Bless these good people as we enter into the Advent season. We need you and we ask all these things in your name.
Amen. God bless. You're dismissed. <laughs>